Hello, Hello everyone. everyone, and welcome to the You Don't Look Like, you an, don't engineer look like an Engineer podcast. Today we have Angela Hakam, who has over 20 years of experience working in numerous areas of the construction industry. Yeah, her 20 years span working in teams predominantly male, and she will tell us all about her experiences working in these fields. But she's honestly also been a badass serving on multi-billion dollar projects all across Australia and has worked for several years in the FIFO um, world as well. And for those that don't know what FIFO means, it's fly in, fly out. So she is yeah. a buddy and she has been pretty much everywhere. <laughs> like in the sense yeah. that she's been in the corporate world and also in construction in the and most interesting site. conditions. Yeah. Of course, Angela, with all this knowledge and experience, wanted to help and empower other females in the construction sector. And that's why she is also the founder of Epic, um, which is Empowering People in Construction. The name says it all. And we can't wait for you to hear more about this in the episode. So without further ado, Angela, thank you so much for making time and coming on our podcast. If you could please introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us a little bit about what motivates you every day. I come from the construction industry. I've had 20 years working in the industry myself and I've been really fortunate to have part of that time also working as a fly-in, fly-out worker, working on major projects around Australia as well. So. I've been really uh, blessed to work across a number of different uh, construction construction sectors, including you know oil and gas, renewables, power, uh, civil, quite a, a range of stuff, which has been really great. Um, so what keeps me inspired every day is what I'm currently working on at the moment, which is uh, my company, which I've recently set up, and that's actually to help support women who work in the industry regardless of what their role is, because there's a lot of women who actually work behind the scenes, um, aren't necessarily frontline people, essentially like tradespeople, you know, like the engineers and the commercial people and safety and environment. And they're in the industry and they're being exposed to the same sort of issues. So what keeps me inspired every day is to be able to do the best that I can to be able to create information and opportunities to support them so they can be retained long-term in the industry. Hmm. Yes, beautiful. And it's really important because I feel like, um, as we know, the corporate world uh, is very different from the construction world, but that doesn't mean that we don't face similar challenges and similar um, stereotypes to challenge. Um, I'm curious to know whether you, like how you started in the construction industry. Was this like a specific influence um, or, did, or was it just like personal choice that brought you here? Um, to be honest, I actually fell into it <laughs> which I think some people have a tendency to fall into some careers some careers you don't actually plan for they just kind of happen uh, so what actually happened I was uh, sailing up the Queensland coast I was living on a boat at the time and was sailing up the coast with my partner and we'd planned this awesome trip to head to far north Queensland we'd sailed up from the Gold Coast we got into Harvey Bay and we pulled up there at, an, at a place that was doing pre-sales for a Peppers resort. So they were pre-selling all the units and they had to get a number of units sold as part of the pre-sales to then be able to get their financing for the construction to start. So I was literally just working 
in the pre-sales office providing support to the sales team and then I got asked to move over when the construction actually started and it basically just went on a trajectory from there really so it was a good opportunity to work on you know like a major commercial project as my very first project Um, there was 132 units in the Peppers Resort there was a hotel and restaurant there was a conference center there was a day spa there was retail outlets so there was a whole mix of different things and I basically started uh, working and managing all the subcontractors and putting together, you know, specifications and tender packages and then managing them, managing them once they were awarded the contracts as well. So, and that's basically what my career has ended up being is actually predominantly managing contractors. So, um, yeah, how, how that kind of set me on the path was really quite interesting. So, and it was a great opportunity. What was your background um, to be able to get you in a position, in a, in a role like that? Prior to that, I had actually worked in male-dominated industries. My very first job, so to speak, was actually managing a chain of locksmith stores around Brisbane. Oh, yeah. So I had about five different stores that I was managing. And, um, you know, I was one of only two. There was me and one other female in Queensland who was actually trained in complex locksmithing systems and back then like we're talking you know early mid 90s which is showing my age (laughs) (laughs) you know back then you get you didn't actually realize that um that gender bias that was normal in the industry like I would have people coming in and they'd be like can I speak to the locksmith and I'm like can I help you you know I want to speak to the locksmith and I'm like Speaking. What can I help you with? Yeah. Uh. I need a key cut. And I'm like, okay, well, show me the key and I'll get it cut for you. Like, no problems. And you, like, I didn't realize all those years ago that gender bias that actually went on. So, my background was actually, um, you know, I started managing, a, yeah, the chain of locksmithing stores. I then went into uh, vehicle leasing for government departments. And then I moved over into the construction. Um, working and as I said the Peppers being the first project mm. I worked on and it just went from there but yeah it's now looking back um, in hindsight and reflecting and it's like wow just dealing with all this stuff that I've actually dealt with over the years so yeah wow that's so interesting like all the biases that you probably didn't pick up and you were like why are people being so rude <laughs> <laughs> and then just yeah. clicking eventually it's like oh yeah. I know exactly what and you I mean. just could I mean back then I mean I was only young I was like late teens early 20s and you know I just didn't understand why do you think I can't cut a key like you know yeah, and you don't realise that gender bias, that, you know, that, that comes with it. So it was really quite interesting. And now I've gone, huh, okay, this is why I'm fixing the problem. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we want people to just like understand that there's nothing wrong with them. They can cut the key. It's, yeah, yeah. it's just to do with people and like the influences that we have in conditioning, Seriously. which is really yeah. big. Um, Did you have any expectations when you started in the construction industry? Or, like, was it all new? Um, yeah, look, it was all new because obviously I was learning. And um, But I had my, that very first project I spoke about, I had two really awesome mentors. So the project manager, 
he'd been in construction a long time and he was he just basically took me under his wing and he showed me you know how to read plans how to interpret stuff how to do takeoffs how to put together tender packages how to do all the bits and pieces and then I had a contracts manager as well um, who was really great to work with and provided a lot of mentoring and guidance and support and everything as well and I've actually been really blessed throughout my career again as I look in hindsight the men who have actually been awesome mentors for me and mm-hmm. taught me so much because I wouldn't be where I am now without them mm-hmm. and um, so it wasn't an expectation I've always had the attitude like I'm always eager to learn and to try and tap into other people's knowledge as much as I can because I'm a firm believer like we've all got something to share and we've all got something special about us, you know, and some knowledge that someone else doesn't have. And I'm very much always eager to learn off someone else because it's just another perspective and another thing that, you know, you can add to your tool belt basically. Um, so, yeah, I've just been really fortunate to in myself that I've always had that open mindset. And as a result, I've had really great male allies who have been great mentors for me and helped encourage me and support me along the way as well and teach me that's a fantastic mindset and honestly we always keep talking about allies and we've noticed like a trend as well when we talk to people that they're able to get into this industry and maintain in this industry because allies you know male allies that have just been mentors or father figures that have pushed women into maths and science and not you know impose gender roles on them which is so amazing um but for like a listener who's who's learning about this and learning you know there's mentors and allies out there how would you um advise them to get the most out of that mentorship my advice would be make sure you actually have an open mindset yourself because if you're open to receiving information you don't know what you can learn and as i mentioned like everyone's got something valuable that they can offer And if you're open to just sitting there and listening and learning, then you can actually pick something up that can help change the course of your life as well. And it might just be someone say one thing or um, teach you one thing that can make the difference. But if you're not receptive to receiving that information, that's a a missed opportunity. It's not even about being close-minded. I feel like sometimes when you put people in a industry where they're a minority and they feel there's so much expectation and that self-expectation to be honest that they put on their shoulders and they feel like I should know this already like everyone else is at pace like maybe I should like somehow magically just know this already in my head and so that stops people from asking and being very open like you know I don't know this can you teach me um is that just something that comes with practice or is it something someone should build on their confidence or what, what do you reckon? Yeah, I think, to be honest, there's a few elements with that because, you know, we all have to start somewhere and you mm-hmm. can't walk in, you know, straight out of uni or fresh to the industry or and think that you've, you're going to have 20 years knowledge because you don't, you know, and there is that they, the gap there purely based on experience. And as women, you know, like I know we're terrible for that because we have high expectations naturally for ourselves as well. Um, you know, I'm guilty of that. But it's actually just, you know, for me, it's actually owning it and just going, hey, I don't know everything. You know, actually being authentic and being real and being honest and being honest with yourself. I don't know everything. I'm actually here to learn. You know, what can I pick up? What can I do? 
how can I improve and just be always looking for ways as to how you can take on board information and learn and improve and grow. Um, so it's not about that closed mindset necessarily. To me, it comes down to your attitude as well and how authentic you are um, and being able to have that honesty with yourself and others because you will actually get a lot more respect I have found from my experience, if you put your hand up and say, hey, look, I don't know this, I don't know how to do it, can you show me? Rather than someone who fumbles around thinking, oh, you know, I've got to do this because this is what the expectation is and I've got to be like them and stuff like that. And all it does is it actually puts unnecessary pressure on yourself. Mm, Um, Whereas if you put your hand up and own it and go, hey, look, I don't know this, can you show me? Um, People will actually give you a lot more respect because they're like, they actually do want to help. They want to impart their knowledge, but they won't do it unless they're asked for it as well. So um, so when you're coming across with this thing that, you know, um, you know, I've got to be like this, I've got to have this, you know, expectation that I've got to know everything and you actually don't, you're only setting yourself up to fail really. So it really is about owning it and um, and just... Don't have the expectation on yourself. Like life is life is here to help teach us everything and it's just one big playground to help learn. So oh my gosh. <laughs> love that. That's that is so yeah. valuable. Oh <laughs> at any stage in your life I think that that advice is so powerful. It's like a compass that'll just help you point north all the time. Yes. Yeah. It's good. But uh, yeah. you mentioned like if you're open and receptive to learning, sometimes you can learn so- something you never expected and can change the traje- trajectory of your life. Do you, did you have some an ex- like a big catalytic experience or something like that? Um, oh, look, to pinpoint one would be really hard because I think I've had so many. <laughs> um, and it's just because I've worked across so many industries and I've had so many great, as I mentioned before, so many great mentors and everything. It's like um yeah just there's so many things honestly that I've learned I couldn't I honestly could not pick one okay I'll give you one thing which is something that was actually really valuable to me in dealing with people and communication and stuff like that and this was actually when I was working away uh doing the fly and fly out work and um Laura knows, like, I had a pretty horrendous roster and, uh, you know, long long rosters and long days and things like that. But I was in an, living in an environment where I was living with the men as well, so in camp environments with, you know, a couple of thousand men. And you are significantly the minority because there was probably about 100 women in these camps, wow. so not many. Ten to one, yeah. Very intense environments. But because our roster was four weeks of being away from our homes and everything and we were all doing it, the one thing that I learned is basically just be kind to others because you never know what someone else is dealing with and especially in those environments because everyone's away from their normal environment, they're away from their families, they're away from their loved ones, their home, their network and, you know, there's a lot of people who deal with a lot of stuff. Life goes on. Um, but it's just always making sure you're coming from a place of being kind to others because construction, you know, the stats are it's the number one industry for mental health issues. You know, the report recently done on the project every second day, 
someone's committing suicide in the industry, like it's really quite alarming. And if people were just kinder and more understanding to others and not coming from a place of aggression, you know, nastiness, things like that, because you never know, there could be one thing that could either make someone's day or it could break it for them. And that was one big lesson I learned was just, you know, always be kind to everyone. Yeah, that is significantly important. I think um, we don't know what people are going through and even though they might look like they have it all together, you know, Mm. sometimes we don't and and it's it's okay. It'll be fine, but, Yeah. yeah, if you can contribute to someone else's day in a positive manner I think I think that's powerful as well I'm glad that you mentioned um your experience in flying fly out um I wanted to ask you how did you stumble across that from that type of projects that you were dealing with to flying fly out and how was your experience as a female you have shared a little bit um but if we can go into so how how did I get into it sorry Mm -hmm. yes that's the first Um, one that's another thing I just kind of, you know, fell into really because that's what happens. <laughs> that's my life. I just fall into things. Uh, no, I was actually working for a uh, a national corporate company and a lot of their work is predominantly in the construction industry and they do a lot of major projects around Australia. So I had started with them and I was working, you know, office-based initially and I it, expressed an interest that I wanted to do the fly and fly out work uh, because I love traveling and I just love going to places that you wouldn't go on holiday on really so you know what a perfect uh, mm. mix to be able to have that when you do FIFO work um look so as a female it was interesting is the word I will use it was quite an eye-opener um to what actually goes on when you're in an office, you're a bit, um, how can I put it? In bubble wrap? You know, you're a bit sheltered. You're a bit yeah. sheltered what actually goes on site. I had to find the right <laughs> word then. You're a bit sheltered. Uh, when you actually get on site, it's a whole different game because it's actually quite intense. There's a lot of energy. You know, they're very long days. I was starting... Uh, on one of my projects was at five o'clock in the morning and wasn't finishing anywhere until six or seven at night um, purely because of the hours. And when you're actually in the phase of building the stuff and you're there, there's so many things that you don't realise what goes on on a construction site that you have no awareness about when you're in an office. And it's just the dynamics of what happens, like it could be, you know, doing breathalysers and someone blows over in the morning or someone's had a car accident and you've got to deal with that or someone's there and they're, you know, they've had a death in the family and they've got to get home suddenly. So all these kind of different bits and pieces that you've got to manage when you're on site. As a female, when I said it was quite interesting, you know, you really, really are the minority. Um, One of the projects I was on, we had about 250 on site and I was the only female. Um, well, 250 for our company, I was the only female um, and I had to go out to give 
you know, announcements and stuff at pre-start. And it was bloody nerve-wracking. Like oh, my hands were shaking because I'm going to have to talk to all of these men about, you know, certain things and, you know, you you know all the eyes are on you and then as the female you know, those expectations and the pressure that you put on yourself that you don't want to stuff it up and you don't want to look like a fool. So you have to actually contain yourself to not do that. Um, so, yeah, it's it's quite intense and quite interesting. But the result is is that, you know, I did use that motto that I touched on before was just be kind to everyone because you don't know what they're dealing with because mm. people didn't know what I was dealing with as well. Um, and I did have a lot of personal issues at the time whilst I was there. Um, you know, I did struggle with my own mental health as well because you're isolated, you're a minority, you know. It's quite a difficult environment to be in. Um, but as a result of that, like, I actually ended up with a whole army of men who basically had become, like, adopted brothers and uncles and dads and mentors and allies and all this sort of stuff. And, you know, here it is years and years later and, you know, like I know their wives and their kids and their families and, you know, I can stay at their houses when I go interstate and stuff, you know, with their families obviously and they just like, they are literally like this silent army of brothers that rallied around me and supported me as well as the female. So, um, you know, there was challenging moments, but there was also some really beautiful moments as well with the people that I was able to connect with. So that's so beautiful. Um, and I guess slightly con- not contradictory, but it's uplifting because I remember my first experience going out on site was in the Pilbara in Western Australia. Um, and again, my boss and mentor who had taken us um, was absolutely amazing. I'd say he was just so open-minded and like a great mentor um like some of the people you've mentioned but one thing he had done was he had taken us to this top of this hill um out on site and it was it had like all these stones on the sides and he was like do you know what this is and what these stones represent and it was all the people who had committed suicide oh my yeah from being out um and it just painted a very yeah vivid picture of how bad the mental health crisis is over there and I always thought it was a very isolating experience Um, but it is nice to hear that you know you can form such great bonds out of being so far away from anything that is comfortable and familiar and it's just you know for me it's supporting each other because that's important because as I touched on like everyone's dealing with something in whatever context so true you know, we all have a personal life. We've all got stuff going on. And sometimes work can be the place where you, it's a bit of a, you know, like a safe space or a, a place that kind of saves you as well from whatever's happening in your personal life. Yeah. Um, so it's just making sure that, you know, people are doing everything they can to support each other because, yeah, there's just mental health is just a major thing. And, you know, when you add the elements into it, with a very intense industry like construction and then being away and then new environment and new people and all of that stuff, there's a lot to deal with. So, you know, it's just rallying around each other and uh, helping lift each other up and support each other. It is quite an intense experience, like you are saying, like you have to face a lot of stuff you'd never have imagined. Would you recommend most new um, people, starters in this industry to go through and just have that experience under their belt? As in 
the fly in fly out scene. Yes, or construction, yeah, or just on site, flat, yeah, FIFO. I any of that, look. Yeah. I honestly think anyone who is office based uh, really needs to have the opportunity of actually working on a construction site, not necessarily fly in fly out. And I mean everyone because that actually gives a totally different context as to the dynamics and the intensity of what happens on a construction site, and it's really invaluable for people when to, you know, in those decision making positions to make better informed decisions when they've got real practical experience what happens on an actual site as well rather than sitting in an you know excuse me but sitting in an ivory tower with no actual real experience and trying to make decisions for those who are dealing with it uh, get the experiences valuable um, the fly in fly out scene it's not for everyone like I will be honest it's not for everyone because of the intensity of it and you know there, there is a lot of your own personal mental health stuff that you've got to deal with when you're there because of the remoteness, the isolation, you know, adding the element of being a female, being the minority. Um, and it does take, it's very character building. I'm not going to not deny that, but you have to have a character that has an element of strength to it as well. Yeah. I don't... I've had guys, honestly, who've rocked up and they've got into camp ready to start work the next day they've got into camp they've been there an hour as a guy and have turned around and said I can't do it I'm going home and they haven't even rocked up to work the next day they've literally flown in one day got in got their room gone to their room and have just gone can't do it and packed up and and turned around and gone home without giving it a shot without even without even turning up to the job (laughs) like just when they've got into camp so that's the thing is that even men struggle with this as well yeah oh the energy might be like a little bit different as well like yeah i guess so that's where i say that element of you know having a, a mental resilience about you that you know there is and it's not saying you know you've got to be macho and everything like that but there is a a definitely a mental strength that's needed to be able to manage at the start when you were introducing yourself you mentioned something about that you're the director of two um consulting well first epic and also um cap consulting yeah what does it stand for so CAP is Contracts and Procurement. Oh, yeah. okay. So it is an acronym. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, did you ever envision that you were going to be a director? And how did that happen? <laughs> no, no. Did you also fall well, into it? <laughs> I, I fall into everything. I think I'm in that. <laughs> um, no, I, look, honestly, I've actually always had a bit of a... Uh, whether you call it an entrepreneurial spirit or whatever you you like, you know, throughout my whole life I've actually always had this thing where it's like I really don't like working for other people but I've got to, you know, I was a single parent and everything so I needed the job security as well. So um, hence why I did, you know, J-O-Bs rather than doing something for myself to make sure I had that security to support me and my son. But um, I've just always had this thing and as I've got, older and you know probably my tolerance levels may have gone down a little bit with uh, 
job environments and I've just gone, I would just rather do my own thing and be in charge of my own life and do that. And so that's where I've just stepped out and gone. Um, I will go, so the contracts and procurement, CAP Consulting is basically providing consulting services, specialising in contracts management and probity, which is my skill set. Um, so I have a number of clients up and down the East Coast who I work for and then I'm a probity advisor for the government as well, working on government tenders. <clears throat> and then Epic, so CEO of Epic, and that's the company that I've established uh, this year and that's specialising on supporting women who work in the construction industry is the main focus and then the focus is also on about transforming the culture in the industry as well to make it more welcoming for women so women can actually be retained but making sure the women are supported who are there or entering the industry because that's absolutely essential but then actually helping with that mindset shift of the people who are there so you know don't be dicks like be more welcoming be more engaging and actually women can do this knock off that gender bias that's going on and let's you know make it make it better and get more male allies on board to um to help do that as well how does that actually work um so i guess if you were to give an example of what sort of work it is that you do at epic is it like um webinars and like learning coaching yeah or mentorships or what how do you yeah envision changing the culture so there's a couple of things so i'm actually partnering with a company at the moment and we're looking at developing adaptive learning modules which are tackling basically the psychosocial hazards so there's five that i'm focusing on which is sexual harassment bullying intimidation inequity and harassment so educating on those and basically about what it is what it looks like and what to do because I'm a firm believer that, you know, a lot of people and these type of behaviours, you know, as I said, I was dealing with it back in the mid-90s, um, but these type of behaviours, even with the subconscious bias as well, have never actually really been called out and so people don't know what they don't know. Mm. So unless they've been called out on it previously and educated on it, they actually think it's normal and acceptable. So my focus is on calling it out and actually educating them that this isn't acceptable and just because you haven't been called out on it before doesn't mean it's okay because it's actually not and it's prohibited and it's against the law, but they have to be educated. So to educate them, it's developing learning modules to help walk them through what it is and what it looks like and then it will do like a skills gap analysis to identify, okay, well, there's some actual big gaps here, so we need to invest in some training to help elevate this. And then the next part of that is, apart from tackling those psychosocial hazards, is actually educating on the soft skills, so confidence, respect, communication, teamwork, mindset, resilience, authenticity, like all the things that people aren't actually taught in school that you need to be able as and they're fundamental principles that you need a in the construction industry but you need for life as well so that you can actually succeed you know they're very important skills so that's one of the the ways that I'm looking at um and then that will 
apart from that partnership, you know, that will include my own stuff that I create as well with some short courses and things like that as well. And then going in person and delivering training as well. The part with the supporting the women, so that will be like a membership basis where they come in and they'll actually, um, you know, they'll get coaching and mentoring. So I've got a team of internationally certified coaches as well. I'm also one myself to be able to provide certified coaching techniques that actually are targeted and quite specific to help people release any beliefs and things they have about themselves and get them on track with, you know, where they are better aligned so they can actually succeed and get the the goals that they want to achieve. And then provide that, you know, apart from the coaching, but, you know, have like accountability groups, have access to resources, have that network, you know, just create that community to help wrap that support around each other so we can all just help lift each other up as well. To me, that's really important. And then have, you know, same as what you ladies are doing, have some podcasts of, you know, some awesome female leaders to show females because there's a, you know, underrepresentation of female leaders as well. But, you know, some awesome female leaders, not just from construction, but from a lot of industries so they can talk about, you know, things that they've dealt with and challenges they've overcome and what they've done and where they've got to because you can learn from other people who've walked the path before and you can learn some things as what you can do, you know, that might help change the path that you're walking because you've gone, oh, they've done that and that's kind of something that I could try and then see where that takes me. So that's the plan for next year is to have a podcast series with that as well. And it's just basically providing resources to people that, you know, everyone learns in different ways and making sure there's all the different styles of resources available so people can learn whatever their way is essentially very complete very holistic i like that i have so many questions about um (laughs) so many things but um i think the one that is like there because we were talking about confidence and how to build confidence and i think that's like one of the big ones in the industry the confidence gap that we have Uh, how would you explain that gap to someone that has zero idea about biases and the gap itself yeah, well, confident. I mean, to me, confidence is made up of a lot of things, and confidence is not a bad attitude. And it's not being cocky, and it's not being. There's a level of assertive, but it, there's a point of being assertive where then you can be aggressive, assertive, and it's not being that. So, confidence is actually knowing yourself, knowing who you are, knowing what your worth is, and then being able to communicate effectively as well but it's also about making sure that as a person that you're growing because as you're growing and you're learning you're actually getting more confident as well so when you're able to invest in yourself and invest in your learning and you can achieve more things and you can do more things and it you know you feel smarter because you know more it actually helps increase your confidence um And, you know, like the listening, active listening and empathy is really important as well. Um, You know, when you actually care about someone or care about something, then, you know, you have this element about you that makes you feel confident that, hey, you know, I want to protect that or I want to look after that or I want to, you know, make sure that isn't harmed essentially. So it's, look, confidence is something, it's the number one skill that women lack. Um, You know, 
<laughs> I've not had confidence for a lot of my life and it's taken a lot of really uh, major situations in my life for me to be able to have that confidence and to be able to find my voice and speak up and stuff. I was very much a person of, you know, not wanting to rock the boat and, you know, be kept small and, you know, don't upset people and all of those things that women deal with. Um, whereas now it's like, no way, like I'm actually going to speak up and, you know, say how it is. And it's not being done, as I said, not being done in an aggressive way. You know, it's obviously being respectful as well. But it's actually knowing who you are and what your worth is and what you bring to the table and then how you can communicate that effectively. Absolutely. I like that um, communication aspect of it because it's everything about like the delivery and you don't, it's a very thin line um, that you don't want to cross, as you said, like you don't want to come across as cocky because no one likes that. And you shouldn't because then you're like applying an authority sort of thing, like you're making it a hierarchical, um, which is really true. Um, Growing up, and I'm sure like so many women can relate, it's like this programming to minimize yourself in every space you're in, you know, and I still do that in so many scenarios. And then I leave and I'm like, oh my God, I could have said all this, you know, that might have helped. And it's unfortunate you can't do anything in hindsight. And look, I still have that to this day, honestly. I don't think that ever goes, just as a word of advice, because there's always I'm conversations putting, yeah. I play back in my head and go, oh, man, I could have said that and I could have I said know. that. <laughs> you know, I missed that. But it's just like, and then you've just got to let it go, like, because you can't change it. It's done. So Yeah. I and I really like your uh, learning modules that, you, you know, you're trying to, you're talking about for developing, um, you know, people's understanding to what these discriminatory or like you know sexual harassment things look like we're talking to someone else who um i think is working on developing a vr sort of thing where like leaders can walk through an experience and actually feel what it looks like what it feels like and i think that's um i haven't heard anything like that before because i feel like most people only really empathize with something when it that happens, happens to, them. to them yeah and beyond that it's very difficult for them to understand um yeah. So yeah, I think that's something that. that would be so sick to implement, yeah, as well. Yeah, so we'll see how it looks. I mean, we're, it's just um, initial discussions and, you know, working on the partnership agreement and we, we'll, the next few weeks we'll be starting to map out, you know, what the modules will look like and, you know, how we create them and things like that. So it's, yeah. uh, it's early phases, but the potential for this because it can be used, you know, mandatory for inductions, uh, especially with the psychosocial hazards and now, you know, yeah. they're, everyone's got a responsibility to minimise those psychosocial hazards. So there has to be a big education piece on that uh, mm. that companies have a responsibility to do. So that's the intent is that this can create that gap for companies so that everyone's not out doing their own thing. There's one that's ready-made that they can use and they can use it for inductions, they can use it for toolboxes, and it will just show where people are at and just help while they're going through and learning. It will actually help educate. So it will lift them as well mm. to go, oh, okay, I wasn't aware of that. That's something I need to not do now. So, yeah. Yeah. It ties into the positive duty thing that we now have, right? If you go through, for example, harassment at the workplace and then you speak up and they don't do anything about it, then companies now can actually get in like trouble yeah. for it which yeah. what are I guess any top three challenges you face as a director of such forward thinking and progressive companies 
<laughs> challenges. Not having enough hours in the day is a big challenge. <laughs> that's, that's very true. <laughs> so, and actually having to go to sleep is a big challenge because I've just got so much I want to do and if I could just survive by breathing and not sleeping, I'd be happy. Oh, but um, that's not possible. <laughs> and there's such um, a guilt associated when you're trying to build all these things and you're trying to rest, you're like, but I could be doing so much, you know, and that doesn't help you rest, which is frustrating anyway. Yeah, the mind the mind is is like literally a thousand miles an hour, and it just wakes me up every day, anywhere from three o'clock. Um, I can relate. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure you can. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I don't get woken up. I can relate with the miles an hour. I don't get I don't get, get woken up. Yeah. Yes, yeah, this is smaller scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, time's a big thing. Like enough time to do everything because there's so. Because I've got so many initiatives on the go at the moment, so there's so many balls in the air and keeping them all juggling and, you know, slowly, you know, get a few things off my list and then a few others come on and keep them juggling and stuff as well. But, you know, to me it's all, I love it because I actually look at this. This is probably going to sound really corny, but this is actually <laughs> in my head, this is like the love of my life mm. and like my Aww. child. Because yeah. it's like this is an extension of me and it's something that honestly it's all I think and think about all the time is what else can I do? What other initiative can I look at? What other way can I help make this better? What some things of information I can, you know, start developing to get out there? So it is it is honestly, I don't think I've ever had a love like this before. If that's, oh, that's, that's yeah. so cute. <laughs> I love that. Mm, you know, I was... um. I love hearing that because I was talking to my friend last night at dinner and I was saying to her, you know, I feel like, and I'm like, I'm young, I know that, <laughs> but I remind myself of that. But you sometimes spend time or like invest energy and time in relationships, romantic ones. And I feel like they don't work for some reason. But then you invest time in friendships and in your work life, in your career development. And those are like the aspects that in my personal experience have always like been reciprocal to me. Like the more yeah. energy I put into it, the more you can create. And it's quite empowering to see that yeah. as well. Yeah. So I do, yeah. I do think it would be good to, to have the same perspective. It was like, this is the love of my life. Thing. Yeah. Well, I just look at it that it's something I am so, so deeply passionate about, um, you know, because I, I truly do care about people and it actually pains me terribly. It hurts my heart immensely when I see people suffering or struggle. And so I've gone and I've, you know, I've walked that path. Like I've had my own self, my own struggles and, you know, my own suffering to deal with. And I know how painful that is. And this is why, for me, it's now like, well, if I can use my knowledge and my experience from what I've dealt with to help others so they don't have to go through it, mm. and then that's something that actually really lifts me up because, yeah, if I can just help affect someone's life and then what the ripple effect of that is and how that could help someone mm. and just, you know, not have people, you know, sorry to say it, but not have people in the industry committing suicide you know like help reduce those statistics as well and that's something that you know that's kind of my driving force to be honest so yeah yeah it's um 
we do think that it's a small sort of like impact that we have, but when you put it that way, it's we, we're preventing someone to, you know, ending their mm-hmm. life. And, and it's really powerful to, to have that influence on people or to inspire them um, yeah. and gain that inspiration from them as well as they overcome those challenges. Um, I'm curious to know what you key attributes or empowering people are and whether you sort of like develop them um, in childhood or over time. So <clears throat> EPIC has an acronym for many things, of course, because oh. that's how I roll. <laughs> <laughs> so my key attributes, which I call my values, um, so EPIC, so the E stands for empower, and that is always making sure that you're empowering everyone. Uh, the P is potential, and that's unlocking people's potential with passion. Uh, the I is inspire, so inspire with integrity. And C is compassion, and it's compassion and care are the core. So that's what underpins everything that we do. That, that's that's really beautiful and Compassion. I guess it aligns so heavily with your why, you know, why you're doing this and it's so powerful. Mm. Yeah. Do you do you think you're compassionate to yourself? Compassionate to myself? Mm. I am compassionate to myself. I just need to make sure I have a little bit more time for uh, mm. social connection, I guess you could say, because I'm so busy <clears throat> creating at the moment. That is nice that you can acknowledge it, though. It's a big step. (laughs) Yeah. No, I I have a coach as well. I mean, apart from me coaching, but I have a coach as well because it is important that everyone has a coach because coaches actually help people find missing gaps. Um, And that was something identified in my coaching session yesterday, surprisingly, that I need more time for um, social connections. Oh. That is a good takeaway, I guess. It's fine to, it's, I find it hard to, at least, I don't know why, but I find it hard to find people that you could really like, you know, connect in a deeper level. Like obviously I have Sohan, which is amazing. And I'm so fortunate to have her because we have so many things in common and the depth of our conversations are really good and they fill my cup. And I also have some other girlfriends, but when you meet people, sometimes it's really hard to sort of like, you know, are they going to be as passionate as I am? <laughs> as I said, because this is, this is my greatest love, so, you know, I could talk about this all the time, but it's not everyone's greatest love and I need to be mindful of that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I, I tend to forget that quite a lot with a few things. <laughs> and, and not everyone is part of the industry, so they probably don't yeah. understand it. They are like, we love that you're passionate, but yeah. no. <laughs> But we're not in there, so we don't understand what you're talking about. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do you, well, apart from that, I guess, blind spot that you discovered, what was another one that coaching helped you sort of like understand and change your career or has improved your career? Yeah. That's a good question because there's been a major one, which is my own self-doubt. Because I was constantly doubting myself that I was able to do this. Wow! And I then I think so many people will like relate to that. Yeah, it's so yeah. true. 
yeah. yeah. And so it's, it is literally only by working with, I've got two coaches actually, but literally by working with my coaches that they've actually helped me look at that in a different perspective and then shift those beliefs in me. Mm. And like, honestly, they're not even, it's just actually not even in my head anymore. But wow. it used to be there and plague yeah. me constantly because I would second guess myself and question and doubt and question and overanalyze. And now I'm just like, just boom, 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 just get in, do it, do it, do it, move on, next thing, go, go. Um, yeah. So, so it can was, vanish. Yeah, totally gone. Wow. Wow. And are these coaches, I guess, um, like specific career development coaches, like they're trained to do this sort of thing or people you've worked with, older mentors, you know? That- no, so I'm I'm actually uh, an internationally certified coach myself. So it's uh, within that community of certified gotcha. coaches. But I've recently also attended a Tony Robbins event because Tony is awesome and one of my mentors and heroes. And part of that is uh, with the program I've got with that is I get uh, 12 months of coaching as well. So Very cool. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to say very epic and then I was like, oh, the irony. It is. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Epic. <laughs> you have provided so many good advices for individuals. And Thank you. Um, yeah. I'm really happy that we're having this conversation because it's actually – it makes you reflect when you talk to people like you all. I'm like so happy that we do this because it's amazing. And it's yeah. so inspiring. Like just hearing your story and everything is so good. What would you say are the challenges um, about the current gender roles? And I know everyone talks about the benefits of changing this industry. Do you think there's any downfalls to to, to, to the changes that might be coming? So the challenges, I see the and I, I predicted this was happening, and sadly it's coming into play. Um, but the challenges that I see is that the targets that are being set with what the percentages of gender equity are for government-funded projects. So Victoria's obviously starting theirs in, they've had two years of, I guess you could say, trialling it, and it's effectively the policies coming into play in January 2024 where there's got to be a percent of women in Positions, and that includes, you know, normal positions, trades and non-trades. Um, I think that poses a challenge because it's, the, for me, that's a cart before the horse. It's actually putting in targets, but you actually haven't got the people yet and it's creating a challenge that, A, you've got to find the people and, B, you've got to find the right people to be able to fill those positions as well and not create an environment where you're setting women up to fail. Because essentially it's going to then be a tick box process. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, we've got women here, 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 here and here. We've met our percent criteria. Here you go. But unfortunately and sadly, some of those women may not be skilled for the positions because they're new to the industry. They don't, you know, things like that. And then that then creates that environment where it's, well, we knew they couldn't do it. And that's not the aim of it. The aim of it is to make sure there is greater equity, but that it's the right people getting into the right jobs and women are being given the opportunities and being promoted and things like that as well. So I think it needs to have potentially a different approach. What that looks like yet, I haven't considered. Um, But I think setting the targets, whilst it's great, it's 
I sense it's actually setting women up for failure, to be honest, because it's it's making it a tick box process then. I guess what I always thought with that was um, if the targets are there, then it's a matter of getting, you know, women a foot in the door and it will sort of just figure it out on the way. Like you said, confidence and competency just build so much of a trajectory. But I oh, I didn't even consider, um, you know, the element that you're talking about setting them up for failure because we're generally not trained maybe to be in that position. So is it like a side-by-side thing that should be happening or should we be focusing more on training? Well, I think if there is more focus on training yeah. and working out, again, like <clears throat> what I touched on before, this, you know, the skills gap analysis of what, what is needed and to be able to train them to then be able to get into where it needs to be um, rather than setting the targets. And everyone's scrambling, like, you know, resources are a huge issue at the moment, trying mm-hmm. to find resources. Let alone trying to find women for construction because the industry needs a serious overhaul to start with. Um, but you know, like setting those targets, yeah, it is great, and you know, I'm not opposed to it. But I think there needs to be a process put in place first, so it is effective, and it's not going to, you know, add to the psychosocial hazards as well. So do those, those skill gap analysis as to what's needed, where women are at. What do they need to be able to elevate, um, you know, and support them and educate them and lift them up so they can actually succeed. Mm-hmm. So everyone can be successful. That's the aim. So, so I guess if this is the trajectory, like we're sort of, sorry, Laura, you go. Yeah. No, I, <laughs> okay. I, w- I just had something to add. No, I think this is a consent that everyone has been sort of like thinking about it, like considering because I've heard mm-hmm. this before. And I think a lot of males actually that are in like board positions are thinking this and they're like, I want to help, but these are the challenges. Like not just that we don't have this stuff, but we might be putting certain individuals in a position where they don't know how to deliver a project, mm. for example. And mm. what that does um, like um, I guess it could um, emphasize the you know the um, not just the confidence gap but also like the competency gap or like that mm. we have to continue to prove ourselves so yeah I was just gonna add on that but continue so yeah absolutely. well okay two little brain thoughts the first is if we are going down that road and it looks like we are because people are setting targets uh, what advice would you give you know young women who are getting into that space who now are being chucked in the deep end, they're probably not trained up. Um, yeah, what would you advise them? For young women coming in, I would honestly recommend, um, it goes back to my original part, making sure that you're open and receptive to the learning mm-hmm. because with that you're going to gain more knowledge, which is going to help elevate you through the ranks. And I can only speak from you know what I've gained over my time in the industry as well. Um, that's how you're going to elevate. Obviously, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. But it's absolutely essential. And also look at, you know, put forward and say, put forward your expressions to say, well, this is this is what I'm aiming for. You know, just because you may have come in at, you know, like a lower position, for example, that's not where you have to stay. Um, mm. Actually have a look at what there is really engaged with trying to find 
you know, great mentors and stuff who are going to help lift them up because I wouldn't be where I am without the mentors that I've had. And, you know, it doesn't mean just one, like you can get so many mentors and learn from so many people, you know, for women coming in. Um, And it could just be, you know, like someone who's, they don't need to be a senior person, but it might be someone who's got a couple more years experience that you can learn something. So there's a saying that you always, you always want to be hanging around the people who are five steps ahead of you because that's how you're going to learn, that's how you're going to grow. So it might be someone that's, you know, might be a year ahead of you, but if they're a year ahead of you, they've got another year's experience that you can learn from. So always make sure you hang around people who are those few steps ahead of you so you can learn and keep growing because that's important. Just to add on that point, I was thinking maybe friends that challenge you and encourage you to see like those blind sides or blind spots that you have. I think it's also really important. That's why we love having all these like-minded people in our podcast. (laughs) Hopefully. And just on that point too, Laura, is, you know, like make sure you're hanging around the right people. That Mm, is so so important. Literally life-changing. I a saying that I learned many years ago and it's been like a bit of a silent mantra, but you can't fly like an eagle if you're hanging around turkeys. So it's always making sure that you're hanging around people who are actually going to be continually lifting you up rather than keeping you down and keeping you still. That's true. I just had one second oh, okay, part sorry, sorry. Um, to the other bit is I get that we're putting, you know, women in positions where they might not have, you know, current capability. But like, how is that different in your opinion to maybe like you look at a lot of men that end like young men graduates that enter like consulting and all these industries where they don't I would say they don't have the skills to be you know put in project management roles like I was recently talking to someone who's a graduate literally who's in a project management role and they're put in it no one questions their capability if they well sorry fuck up but uh, it's just okay it's part of the job it's learning how is that different to putting women in in that space and allowing them to learn and grow through well this is the mindset that needs to that needs to significantly shift because there's this whole thing now that if a woman is put into a position, it's a Mm. token position Mm. Mm. because of the focus and it's not actually based on skill. So sadly this is actually part of the culture that needs to change because men, and look, I've seen it and I'm still seeing it, men are just being, and it comes back to this whole resource shortage, men are just literally being put into positions because a, there's not enough people, and B, because men are just naturally more confident than women. Mm. You know, there's a whole thing that if there's a job application and there's 10 things, a man will apply if they've only got six. Yeah. A woman won't apply if they don't have one. Yeah. And yeah, so it's literally. just that whole change between males and females as well. But um, Is it just yeah. that we're being held to a different standard, even by the men? Like I know we hold ourselves to a different standard, but just that. Yeah, like the males are also putting us under a microscope. Well, and it's a whole thing, A, you know, it's not just being a token, mm-hmm. you know, female mm-hmm. or to tick a box and meet a yep. criteria, but it's this, you know, it is this thing that you you just got to continually keep proving yourself. And that's something like I've never actually realised still working in the industry and how much I've had to keep doing that. Mm. So, it's look, where we're at as of today, it's, um, you know, obviously it's on the cusp of change. I think we're, we're 
starting to ride the wave of what's coming. Um, for me, I think it's, you know, it's not all doom and gloom because there's a lot of focus at the moment. Everyone knows that the culture needs to change. There's a lot of initiatives being put in place. There's a lot of people looking at different things with it, you know, um, just to name the ACA, the Australian Constructors Association, have got a pledge with all of their members that within the next few years, you know, to actually change the culture. So they're looking at that. They're all the big tier one contractors across Australia and they've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people who are in their workforce. So when the tier ones are on board, you know, that will start filtering through the industry as well. And to me, awareness is 80% of the problem. If you, you can't fix a problem if you're not aware. Now that there's the awareness, it's now the process of fixing it, but this is the job of fixing it. So where we're at today, it's obviously the start of the change. Um, it'll be interesting to see where it's going to be in the next five years because five years is the peak of when they need, you know, the pro projection is 460,000 more people in the industry. Hmm. So I think the next five years is going to be quite interesting to see how rapidly the industry changes and just, you know, from my time, even this last 12 months, seeing how rapidly it's changed as well with the initiatives, you know, the incentives, the um, criteria that has to be, you know, met and stuff now. So it's happening at, at quite a pace at the moment. It's interesting. I, I, I want to see what it looks like in five years. I'm like, mm, at least that's good. I think it's going to be exciting. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it and to help hopefully positively affect it too. So, yeah. Mm, that is so true. Yeah. Um, well, on that note, <laughs> um, what lies ahead for Angela personally and professionally? Personally, well, personally, I'm going on a holiday in November, which I'm very much looking forward to. So, Where are you going? I'm, I'm actually heading to Vietnam for oh, three and a half beautiful. weeks. So, wow. Yeah, I have a uh, milestone birthday to celebrate this year, so I'm having a little break to uh, be able to do that. I will be working at the same time, but not all the time. But um, So that's my personal thing at the moment. Professionally is basically, you know, my plans are, with Epic, you know, get Australia on track first, but my plans are to actually take my company global. So that's the uh, the plans with what I'm doing. That's the long-term plan. Uh, that is the amazing. initiatives that I'm setting up. So, yeah. Wow. Happy birthday in advance, first of all. <laughs> I hope the holiday is great. Yeah, it will be. Uh, looking forward to see what Epic, you know, yeah, get when Epic gets on that scale. Yeah. And yeah, yeah all the best. Yeah, thank, thank you. you so much also for um, letting us be part of your journey and um, coming here to continue to spread, you know, that awareness and um, want to transform the industry that we're part of. Um, and especially yeah, because thank you for being Saturday part of our morning. journey. <laughs> <laughs> Saturday morning. So thank you so much for that. Um, Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. And uh, we do yeah, so much. It's yeah, thank you. To talk to like-minded people. So yeah, thank you. honestly. Yeah.